RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. The government says it's found no new coronavirus cases from its latest overnight lockdowns. It unveils plans to reopen some sports, outdoor sports venues from tomorrow. And police investigate an incident in which an officer opened fire on a vehicle. The government has so far found no new COVID-19 cases from its overnight lockdowns after testing around 2,100 people. It said one result in Jordan was unreliable and that person would be sent to hospital. Here's Timmy Song. 17 buildings in Shamshai Po, as well as parts of Jordan and Tinshai Wai, were cordoned off overnight for mandatory testing until between 7 and 8 o'clock this morning. On the whole, residents said they supported the action despite the inconvenience. Some workers in Shamshai Po said they were waiting to start work even after 7.30 in the morning, despite the lockdown being lifted there at 7 a.m. An elderly man in Jordan said his male friend had to stay the night in his flat after becoming trapped in the cordon-off area. Over the past two weeks, the government has tested some 10,000 residents in its lockdowns and found only around a dozen cases, but it says the success of its tactics cannot be measured by the numbers found. From tomorrow, the government has announced it will reopen a number of outdoor sports venues. They include tennis courts, golf courses and horse riding schools, and participants must follow social distancing rules, such as the two-person gathering limit and wearing face masks. The government's move to freeze the minimum wage at $37.50 for almost two years has incensed callers to an RTHK phone-in programme. One man said his wife was the breadwinner, earning around $6,000 a month after he and his son lost their jobs because of the pandemic. He said the decision was like stealing rice from a beggar's bowl. Another caller complained the pandemic led to salary cuts for many people, but officials hadn't been punished over their failure to handle it. Police say an officer fired a round on a private car in Taipo overnight, causing it to overturn. Mike Weeks has details. Just before midnight, police say a suspicious car was seen near Hengtai House in Fuhang Estate. When police intercepted the car, the male driver attempted to ram an officer who fired a shot after giving a verbal warning. Police said the driver then lost control of the car, which hit roadside railings and overturned, trapping a 21-year-old woman passenger inside. She was rescued by police and sent to hospital with a minor shoulder injury. Police seized around 7 grams of suspected cocaine from the car, arrested the 23-year-old driver, a 20-year-old female passenger and a 31-year-old old man for trafficking in dangerous drugs. The driver was also arrested for dangerous driving. The government says it has no plans to privatise RTHK and will continue to improve its governance and management to ensure the public service broadcaster meets the requirements of the Charter fully and completely. The statement was in response to a written question from DAB lawmaker Ben Chan, who cited views that RTHK's dual roles as a public service broadcaster and a government department conflict with each other from time to time. Commerce Minister Edward Yao also said the fact that the Communications Authority had repeatedly ruled that the RTHK had breached the code of practice in the past few years was a serious matter. He said a review panel set up to look into RTHK's management will later submit a report to his bureau. The United States says it's deeply concerned by China's attempts to disbar and harass two human rights lawyers who represented 12 Hong Kong people detained in Shenzhen last year. State Department spokesman Ned Price urged Beijing to reinstate the legal credentials of Liu Siwei and Ren Kuanyu. Yesterday, mainland authorities said they revoked Mr. Ren's license over a 2018 case in which he represented a member of the banned Falun Gong religious group. Mr. Liu had his license stripped last month. 
The Chinese government has again denied accusations of mass detentions in its camps in Xinjiang. Several former inmates have accused the guards of rape and torture. Here's the BBC's Matthew Hill. The BBC has heard distressing accounts of torture using electric rods and on one occasion an incident where around 100 detainees were forced to watch a young woman being gang-raped by masked guards. The Chinese government said in a statement that Xinjiang's camps offered vocational and educational training to tackle extremism and terrorism. The statement did not address accusations of rape and torture directly, but added the Chinese government attaches great importance to protecting women's rights. Lies and absurd accusations, including mass detention, do not hold water. Scientists from the World Health Organization have visited a laboratory in the mainland city of Wuhan from which, which some U.S. officials have said may be the main source of the coronavirus global pandemic. There had been speculation that the virus may have accidentally leaked from a biosafety lab at the Wuhan Virology Institute, but subsequent checks indicated that none of the gene sequences of COVID-19 matched the viruses held by the lab. A spokesman for the WHO team said nothing was being ruled out and they were looking forward to asking the questions that needed to be asked. The United Nations Security Council has failed to agree on a joint statement condemning the military takeover in Myanmar after China objected. The UN Special Envoy on Myanmar had urged the Security Council to send a clear signal in support of democracy by condemning the actions of the military. The United States has now formally declared the takeover to be a coup. Ned Price is a spokesman for the U.S. State Department. After a review of all the facts, we have assessed that the Burmese military's actions on February 1st having deposed the duly elected head of government, constituted a military coup d'etat. The United States will continue to work closely with our partners throughout the region and the world to support respect for democracy and the rule of law in Burma, as well as to promote accountability for those responsible for overturning Burma's democratic transition. President Biden has taken the first steps to reverse some of the Trump administration's hardline anti-immigration rules. He announced the creation of a task force to reunite migrant families who were separated at the U.S. border with Mexico. America is safer, stronger, more prosperous when we have a fair, orderly and uh, humane legal immigration system. With the first action today, we're going to work to undo the moral and national shame of the previous administration that literally, not figuratively, ripped children from the arms of their families at the border and with no plan to reunify the children who are still in custody and, uh, and their parents. Pakistan is beginning a nationwide coronavirus vaccine vaccination campaign today after receiving a donation of half a million doses from the Chinese state company Sinopharm. The vaccine is being offered initially to health workers as dozens of medics have died after contracting COVID-19. Here's a BBC's Sekunda Kamani. The Sinopharm vaccine is already in use in the United Arab Emirates and a number of other countries. The company has said it's 79% effective, though some concerns have been raised about the amount of data that has been made public so far. Pakistan is also expecting to receive 17 million doses produced by AstraZeneca in the first half of the year, as part of the international COVAX scheme, distributing the vaccine amongst poorer countries. With a population well in excess of 200 million, though, it will require many more jabs. A major UK study shows almost all people previously infected with COVID-19 have high levels of antibodies for at least six months. Scientists say the study should provide some reassurance that swift cases of reinfection are rare. Among participants, 99% retained antibodies for three months and 88% after six months. 
Nine U.S. document, oh, sorry, nine U.S. Democrats who will prosecute Donald Trump at his second impeachment trial in the Senate say the former president committed an offence of historic proportions. In a legal brief, the nine impeachment managers say Mr. Trump directed a mob like a loaded cannon at the Capitol last month. His lawyers have denied that he incited the violence. Brendan Buck is a Republican strategist. He says the party has shown little support for the president. I have not heard any Republican really defend the president on the merits. He's clearly guilty of, of sending people to the Capitol. And I think what you're seeing right now is just a lot of Republicans trying to wiggle out of these very inconvenient facts. Really, I think what Republicans want is just for this to be over. They want him to go away. They don't want to have to answer questions about him. And so they're looking to process this as quickly as they possibly can. Western governments have criticised Moscow's decision to sentence the prominent opposition activist Alexei Navalny to two and a half years in jail. The European Union called for his immediate release, while the United States said it will work with allies to hold Russia accountable for failing to uphold the rights of its citizens. Mr Navalny says his conviction was fabricated to curb his challenge to President Vladimir Putin. Natalia Palavina is a Russian opposition activist. She said the verdict was expected. Well, it's not surprising, but it is very emotionally difficult nevertheless, uh, very shattering to hear this verdict, especially considering that Alexei was already poisoned in August and uh, he was brave enough to come back to Russia. And we did have some hope that maybe the authorities uh, won't have it in them to not only try killing him, but also put him in jail after he survives. But uh, now we know that uh, they're prepared to go, you know, full way. The founder of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, is to step down as chief executive of the online retail giant this summer. Mr Bezos said he would stay engaged in major Amazon initiatives, but it was also time for other ventures, such as his Blue Origin spaceship company and the Washington Post newspaper. Here's the BBC's Michelle Fleury. In a surprise move, Amazon's founder and CEO, Jeff Bezos, said he was stepping down this summer. He's handing the reins of the online retail juggernaut to Andy Jassy, up until now, Mr. Jassy had been running AWS, Amazon's booming cloud business division. Mr. Bezos, one of the world's most powerful business figures and one of the wealthiest, will move to the role of executive chair. And while he may no longer play a hand in the day-to-day -day running of Amazon, he will still be involved in all major decisions at the company. A prototype of the SpaceX rocket that Elon Musk's company hopes will one day journey to Mars has exploded on landing at the end of an otherwise successful launch and test flight in Texas. The Starship SN9 blew up on its final descent as it tried to right itself before reaching the ground. It was the second such explosive end to a test flight. The previous version met a similar fate in December. And U.S. technology giant Microsoft has offered to fill the void if rival Google follows through on a threat to turn off its search engine in Australia over government plans to make it pay for news content. Microsoft says it fully supports proposed legislation that would force Google and Facebook to compensate media for using their journalism. Finance now. The U.S. dollar is trading at 105.02 yen. The euro stands at one U.S. dollar and 20 cents. The pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 59 cents. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 29,089, 158 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $123 billion. And now with the sport, here's Adam Chung. We start with football in the English Premier League, where Manchester United returned to form in spectacular style, beating Southampton 9-0 at Old Trafford to go level on points with Manchester City at the top of the table. 
The visitors were shorthanded for almost the entire game with 19-year-old midfielder Alexander Yankovic sent off after just 82 seconds. Eight different players scored for United, including Marcus Rashford, who's got more goals for the club than Eric Cantona. Yeah, he's, he's obviously a, a top player that's that done a lot for this club. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pleased to, to go past him today. And um, you know, for me, it's, I just want to score more goals and keep helping the team. You know, we're still learning a lot as a group, so um, we have to concentrate on ourselves and just keep improving and working on ourselves. Wolves defeated Arsenal 2-1 at the Molyneux for their first win in the Premier League since the middle of December. The Gunners finished the game with nine men. João Moutinho got the winning goal and that pleased his manager, Nuno Espirito Santo. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's a beautiful moment. The only sorrow is that our fans in the South Bank were not there because it's a beautiful strike. Elsewhere, Sheffield United beat West Brom 2-1 and it was the same score in Crystal Palace's victory over Newcastle. In Italy, Juventus beat Inter 2-1 at the San Siro in the first leg of their Coppa Italia semi-final. Cristiano Ronaldo scored twice for Juve. In Spain, Sevilla got past second-tier Almeria 1-0 to reach the semi-finals thanks to a goal from Lucas Ocampos. Cricket Australia have decided to pull out of their tour of South Africa next month due to what they described as an unacceptable level of risk to their players. They cited the new strain of the coronavirus spreading in the country. They were due to play three tests as part of the World Test Championship. The cancellation of the Australia-South Africa series means New Zealand have reached the final of the World Test Championship and will play either England or India at Lords in June. Finally, in the NBA, Fred Van Fleet set a franchise record with 54 points in leading the Toronto Raptors past the Orlando Magic 123-108. The fifth-year guard hit a career-best 11 threes and was 9-for-9 9 9 from the free-throw line. He passed the previous Raptors record of 52 points scored by DeMar DeRozan on New Year's Day 2018. Elsewhere, Kyrie Irving scored a season-high 39 points as the Brooklyn Nets cooled off the LA Clippers 124-120. The Clippers entered with the NBA's best record and lost for just the second time in 12 games. And that's your look at sports. Thanks, Adam. And when the news of the top stories once again, the government says it's found no new coronavirus cases from its latest government lockdowns. Police investigate an incident in which an officer opened fire on a vehicle and the government comes under fire over its decision to freeze the minimum wage. The news from RTHK. The government is seeking public views on proposed amendments to the Waterworks Ordinance, which includes strengthening control of plumbing materials and works to further safeguard drinking water safety, as well as enabling the introduction of a mandatory water efficiency labelling scheme for plumbing fixtures and water-consuming devices. Ways to prevent fresh water loss in private communal water mains will also be explored. The consultation will end on February 3, 2021. Visit the Water Supplies Department's website for details. Due to the volatile COVID-19 situation, the public should stay at home and avoid going out, in particular elderly persons, as they have higher risk of severe illness. Family and friends should help them with shopping and other daily needs. If elderly persons must go out, they need to wear a mask and wash hands frequently. Pay attention to the latest situation. See your doctor promptly if feeling unwell. 
even if the symptoms are mild. Let's fight the virus together. Some better sounds no one's ever heard. I wish I had a better voice to sing some better words. I wish I found some chords in an order that is new. I wish I didn't have to rhyme every time I sang. I was told when I get older, all my fears would shrink. But now I'm insecure and I care what people think. I can use blurry face and I care what you think. My name's blurry face and I care what you think. Wish we could turn back time. Young. How come I'm never able to identify where it's coming from? I'd make a candle out of it if I ever found it. Try to sell it, never sell out of it. I'd probably only sell one. Maybe to my brother, cause we have the same nose. Same clothes, homegrown, a stone's throw from a creek we used to roam. But it would remind us of when nothing really mattered. Out of student loans and treehouse homes, we all would take the ladder. My name's Blurry Face and I care what you think. My name's Blurry Face and I Turn back time to the good old days when the mom was saying us to sleep, but now we're stressed out. Wish we could turn back time to the good old days when the mom was saying us to sleep, but now we're stressed out. We used to play pretend, give each other different names. We would build a rocket ship and then we'd fly far away. We used to dream of outer space, but now they're laughing at the face, saying, Wait. And welcome to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday, the 3rd of February is today's date. A big thank you to Phil Whelan for the morning brew. 
I hope you're all well. And thank you very much for choosing to tune in to the 123 show. We have a big